Okay, we're continuing to talk about the Eucharist as we have been uh, the last couple of weekends and we'll continue the next couple of weekends, um, which is uh, an important thing, I think. I mean, you know, I've mentioned we're in the middle of this Eucharistic revival, but, but uh, there, there's, there's more to this. I mean, of course it's that, like we, we need to revive this, but, but just acknowledging what, what I acknowledged a couple of Sundays ago, which is that, that most Catholics don't believe what we believe about the Eucharist. Uh, and that, that, like, according to the stats, half of the Catholics in the world don't, or at least in our country, don't even know what we believe about the Eucharist. They, they can't accurately describe what it is we believe takes place at Mass, um, which is, of course, a great tragedy because we, we, we say that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our Catholic Christian faith. So it's, it's the high point of, of everything that we do, and from it flows everything else that we believe. Um, so it's just like, it's so incredibly important uh, how tragic it is that only half of us even could accurately explain what we believe that it is. So we got to take time to try to explain it um, as, as much as we can. So a couple of weekends ago, we mentioned that, that Jesus at the Last Supper is fulfilling the Passover. That with Moses, the Lord commands Moses and therefore all of the Israelites to take the Passover lamb, to slaughter it, a lamb without blemish, a male, a year old, right? So it's in its, its prime uh, spot. Um, to slaughter it, to put the blood on the doorpost, and then to eat its flesh. Uh, and then he commands them to institute a memorial ritual so that when every year they would celebrate the Passover meal, it was this sort of divine time travel so that it was either they were brought back to the moment of the Passover or the Passover was brought forward to them. Uh, whichever way it is, is, is this, this stronger than usual mem uh, memory that, that we're talking about here. Um, so that when they were eating the Passover meal every year, it was as though they were partaking of it for the first time. And the Lord was, was setting them free for the first time. Um, and, and so Jesus at the Last Supper was celebrating a Passover meal. And instead of, instead of uh, talking about the lamb that was on the table, he spoke about his own flesh, uh, Jesus, who is the lamb of God. And he takes the bread, as we just heard in our gospel passage, and he says, this is my body. And he takes the chalice with the wine. He says, this is the chalice of my blood. Do this. Then he says, do this in memory of me. And, and for us as Catholic Christians, we believe that when he says those words, that he's doing something more incredible than the Passover meal. He's doing something more incredible because every time we looked at this last week, every time there's something in the Old Testament that connects with something in the New Testament, the New Testament thing is always superior. It's always better. And so with, with Jesus, he can't merely be talking about something symbolic when he's talking about the bread and the wine. It has to be something truly miraculous because there is in the Old Testament, we talked about this last week, there is in the Old Testament miraculous bread from heaven, the manna that, that the Lord gives to, to Moses and to all of the Israelites. And so for, for Jesus to give the Eucharist to us at, at the Last Supper, the bread that he has to give has to be more miraculous than the manna in the desert. That's, that's how the Lord works in the Bible. It's how, how Christians have always understood this and believed this, that there has to be something truly miraculous taking place. Um, and in fact, Jesus himself, he, he uh, explains very directly that this needs to be the case because we heard him say last week, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. You don't have it. There's no divine life within you. There's, there's no eternity in you unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. These are really strong terms uh, that, that ought to make us a little uncomfortable, actually, of like, okay, well, I, I got to do this. And if I don't do this, I got to figure out why not? You know, that, that kind of thing. Like, I, I have to. And so the Lord, we believe as Catholic Christians, is speaking truly so that when we come to Mass, 
And we say the priest leads us in worship and, and says the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper. We believe that the bread and the wine, which are, are presented to the altar, to the Lord, are changed entirely into the body and blood of Jesus, even though they still look and smell and taste and feel like bread and wine. We believe that a real change takes place so that there's no more bread and there's no more wine on the altar. It's, it's, it's a miraculous change, yes, but as we come forward, if we're able to come forward, uh, we, we receive this divine life within us, which is I incredible. Now, what, what I want to talk about uh, today is, is additionally, right, so we, we can just see like, okay, these things already kind of separate us from our Protestant brothers and sisters who don't believe these things. There, there's an additional thing here that we also do that separates us from our Protestant brothers and sisters, this isn't, this isn't necessarily intended to make like a, a comparison between them and us, but, but it is to show that, that we believe something that is radically different. When Jesus says at the Last Supper, do this in memory of me, another way you could translate this is offer this. Offer this. What, what, is, what, is that, what does that imply if we're offering something? It means we're sacrificing something or someone rather. This, this is the thing. The heart of religion in, in the Old Testament, as well as in the New now, the heart of religion is worship. The heart of worship in the Old Testament is sacrifice. Sacrifice. So if we're talking about practicing our religion as Christians, as Catholic Christians, then the heart of that, the, the scriptures are clear about this, the heart of that is going to be sacrificial worship. So not only do we believe that, that there's this divine time travel when we come to Mass, not only do we believe that, that somehow the Last Supper is either brought to us or we're brought back to the Last Supper as though it's happening for the first time, but we believe that there's an additional thing, an additional moment that is brought into union with us in that moment. And that additional thing is, well, okay, well, Jesus says, offer this in memory of me. Well, what is, what is this? This is his body and his blood, his soul and his divinity. And when is that offered to the Father in sacrifice? Well, on the cross. So we believe that the cross is also brought into this, this union between the Last Supper and the crucifixion and us whenever we come together to offer the Mass. So, so actually we say that when, when, we come to, when we come to church or when you go to Mass, we're, we're not just coming to this thing where we're sort of passive uh, Observers, but instead we're coming to do what? To offer the sacrifice of the Mass, we say. Which again is, is different than what our Protestant brothers and sisters understand worship to be. So it's, it's like I can't overemphasize how important this is for us as Catholic Christians to understand that, that when we come to Mass, we are doing it out of obedience to the command that Jesus gives at the Last Supper. When he says, offer this, this sacrifice, Jesus, who we heard in our second reading, is what? Is the high priest who does what? He offers not the blood of other animals, but he offers his own blood to the Father, his own body to the Father. And we do that in, in imitation of him. We do that in obedience to him. And it's not that we sacrifice him again and again and again, but remember, it's this, this mystery, this miraculous sort of divine time traveling so that we're actually brought to the foot of the cross. So that we're, we're joining with the one sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's what we believe is taking place. So that, so that when we come to Mass, it's, again, it's, it's, it seems like it's this ordinary thing. It seems like it's, it's not a big deal. But it is, in fact, if we could see, like if this veil that, that veils our eyes, our senses, could be peeled back, we have no idea like the, the, the incredible thing that we would see, which is Jesus on the cross 
dying and laid down his life for us and offering his body and his blood to the Father for us. We believe that, that in the moment when the priest takes the consecrated host, which is now the body and blood of Jesus, and the chalice filled with the consecrated wine, which is now the body and blood of Jesus, when he offers them, he lifts them up and he says, through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, all of that, that's the moment where we're offering the body and blood of Jesus to the Father in union with what he did at the Last Supper and with what he did on the cross. This is it's like an incredible thing. So, so there's, there's a couple of um, consequences of this, right? Like if, if this is true, if this is true, right? And if you don't believe it, like, okay, well, that's, that's for you to figure out. If you don't believe this, right? So I, I mentioned at the beginning, my task at, in this series is simply to teach you what we believe. So this is what Catholics believe about the Mass. And it's what Catholics have always believed about the Mass. This is not an innovation. It's not something new that I just made up. But this is what Catholics have always believed for 2,000 years about the Mass. And if you don't believe that, that's, that's okay, but you've got to figure that out. And you've got to wrestle with it. And you've got to be okay with wrestling with it. And, and, and like saying, okay, I'm not sure if I believe this. But if you believe this, if this is true, then this, this is the most incredible thing in the world. There's, there's nothing better than this. Where we're transported to the moment where Jesus gives the Eucharist and where Jesus offers his life as a sacrifice. What does that offering do? It saves the world. It saves the world, and including you and me, from sin, provided we're ready to believe it and, and repent of our sins and, and, and receive him. But, but with that, there's, there's some, I think, natural consequences of this, right? If, if this is sacrificial worship, well, what does that mean? It means it's not about you. Sometimes we know this, we know plenty of Catholic Christians, or, or sometimes we can fall into this category ourselves, that it's like, well, I, I don't go to Mass because I don't get anything out of it. Or I didn't get anything out of it today. You know, the, the homily was a little too long, or, you know, Father wasn't very good today, or, or you know, the music, you know, whatever. Like, we, we come to Mass, we're so accustomed to this. We're so accustomed to coming to Mass and evaluating it according to how it makes us feel. And I know that it can seem difficult to say that it's not about you, because I think a lot of us were formed in, in a sort of situation that made it seem like it was all about us. That made it seem like, well, if Father doesn't cater to us, then, then I'm just going to leave. But to understand, like, no, if we are offering sacrificial worship to the Father, then this is all about the Father and not about you. So it doesn't matter what you get out of this. Now, of course, we always hope that we get something out, right? We, we of course, hope that, that the Word of God would strike us in a particular kind of way, that there would be some sort of insight from the homily that would be helpful. Of course, we always hope that we would have some sort of a deep religious experience when we receive Holy Communion, of course. But if you don't, that's okay. Because we're here to offer worship to the Father. So it's not about you. And, and if that's true, that we're, we're focused on what the Father wants, then it would make sense to do what the Father wants or to do what the Lord commands us to do. So that, so that our worship actually doesn't have to look to satisfy each and every one of us because we all, each and every one of us, have different desires. Right? If, if the goal of our worship was to satisfy our desires, well, some people would prefer a particular kind of music and other people would prefer a different kind of music. Some people would prefer a shorter homily and some people insist on preaching longer homilies. Right? Like we, if, we, if we're all looking to just satisfy our own desires, then our, our worship would be chaos and disorder. But instead, because we're all here together, or at least that's the hope, that we'd all be here together with the one goal of doing whatever God wants us to do so that we show him what he's worth to us in our worship, 
If that's the goal, then that actually makes it a lot easier. So I don't have to, I don't have to wonder what, what you want me to do or what I particularly want to do, but instead I can just say, what does the Lord want me to do? And the good news is that the Lord has given us his church. And his church, we can look at the scriptures and we can look at the doctrines of his church to see what is it that the Lord wants us to do in worship. So when I, as a priest, as an ordained priest, come to offer the worship, the sacrifice of the mass, what am I doing? I'm looking to see what does the church prescribe? And I'm saying, okay, Father, I want to give this. And I hear the command of Jesus to say, offer this, offer this very thing that I'm doing. Offer this in memory of me. Okay, well, that's what my worship should look like is offering this and remembering this in a stronger than usual kind of way. Right, so that, that's, I think, so important for us to understand. And it, I, think it's, I think it's actually really helpful because what can happen is sometimes um, some of us actually have an opportunity to offer a kind of worship that, that others don't. For example, I, I like the Mass as it is. I, I like um, whether Mass is early in the day or whether it's later in the day or, or anything in between. I, I like the Mass. I love the Bible. And so for me, to, to offer the Mass is, is rather easy. But I know that not everybody likes Mass the way that it is. And that's okay. I know that not everybody likes Mass at the time that it is given whatever time it is, and that's okay. And in fact, for those people, because our worship is focused on God, for those people who have difficulties with, with the time or the length or, or the, the, the particular structure of it, those people actually have an opportunity to join their offering to the mass because th this is the second consequence. The second consequence of this being a sacrifice is, is this, that Jesus, when he dies and rises from the dead and he institutes the sacrament of holy baptism, what does he do? In baptism, he makes you a priest. You're not the same kind of priest that I am, but you're a priest nonetheless. And priests offer worship, offer sacrifices to God. So when you come to mass, you're not meant to be just this sort of passive onlooker, but instead you are meant to join your sacrifices to the sacrifice of the cross. And part of your sacrifices will include any kind of inconvenience about coming to Mass. If you, don't, if you don't like the time, okay, that's part of your sacrifice. If you don't like the length of homily, okay, that's part of your sacrifice. If you don't like the particular thing that's being preached about, okay, that's part of your sacrifice. Like this is an incredible thing that, that everything we do, provided it's not sinful, everything we do has an opportunity to be joined to the great sacrifice of Jesus, our high priest, as he sacrifices himself and offers himself to the Father. And it's not just like when we come to Mass that we can offer things, but like every single moment of every day, whatever inconvenience we have for the sake of being faithful to our Catholic Christian faith, you can bring those things to the altar and sacrifice them with Jesus to the Father. Like this is an incredible thing that, that he invites you into his body and he invites you to partake in his great sacrifice, which does what? Which saves the world from sin including yourself, including your family, including your friends, including the people that you work with, including this town, right? Like, so, so for whenever I, whenever I hear about people or see people not coming to mass, like in some ways I get it, but in other ways, like they're missing out. They're missing out on so much. 
One, they're missing out on obedience to Jesus. But, but, but second, they're missing out on sharing in the salvation of the world. As I, I just invite you, I invite you from now on, when you come to Mass, I invite you to shift your perspective. If you find, and, and maybe some of us are already having this perspective, but, but if you find that, that your perspective tends to be that I need to be satisfied when I come to Mass, I better be filled up afterwards, I just invite you to reconsider that. And actually, the time for the Lord to fill you up might be during the Mass, and if it is, praise the Lord for that. But the time for you to be filled up might be outside of Mass, in your own reading of Scripture, in your own prayer time, in your own growth and holiness. I'd invite you to shift your focus to say, no, when I come to Mass, I come to offer sacrifice. When I come to Mass, I, I come to share in the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and when you do that, I think that can change a lot of things. Above all, it can help the Lord provide more grace for the world through you, through your offering, through your gift of self with Jesus to the Father.